enjoyed that video that they prepared. Wasn't that wonderful? Uh, that little girl, is she here by chance that had the water come back on her? I don't know who she is, but the rest of her life, that video is going to show up. That was wonderful. Boy, you could just see it in the making of it. That was great. And to hear these testimonies of what the Lord has done, what a precious, wonderful thing. Uh, please keep this in mind. Don't for a second think that you all did this. The Lord has done this through you. It's, it's God through you and, and through your pastor and Miss Grace. That it, my heart has just been so touched here. I, I love being with your pastor. He is such an encourager. Um, I love how he encourages you to do things for God. And when you get to heaven, you're only going to be upset with your preacher about one thing. When you see the eternal reward, you're going to say, what were we thinking that we didn't do more? And you're going to say to your pastor, pastor, why didn't you get us to do more? Why? Boy, thank you, Brother Fong, for the incredible, Miss Grace, the incredible job you've done. And church, thank you. Boy, your buildings are beautiful. The music is great. I agree with every one, every one of the testimonies that was given up there. And the only thing I'd still like to do is buy one piece of that film that you got with that little girl having the water come back on top of her. That was great. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We'll not turn there, but the Bible says in Second Corinthians or in Second Timothy, pardon me, chapter two. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Sixteen times in the New Testament, Christians are commanded to either be strong in the grace or grow in the grace. And I ask you this question tonight, how strong are you in the grace that's in Christ Jesus? Acts chapter 4, read with me verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Speaking of the apostles in that church, the Bible says great grace. And the word great there was the word that you used when something was so bountiful, so incredible, it was beyond measurement. Great grace was upon them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Tonight, speak to our hearts, I pray. May we leave here tonight touched by the power of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everyone here understands that if you're saved, you're saved by grace. We do not deserve to be saved. If there was any fair justice in this world, every one of us would be in hell for eternity. No one deserves heaven. But by the grace of God, we have the privilege and the honor of having Jesus as our Savior by his grace. 
Now, I love the definition of grace that I learned in Sunday school as a boy. Grace, the acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is the favor and the power of God. My question tonight is, do you want the favor? Do you want the power of God on your life? Now, no one here in their right mind would want to navigate life without that. No one here with any sensibilities would say, no, I just want to be powerless. I want to be favorless with God. We'd say, no, no, no. I want great grace. I want to be strong in the grace. And why does God again and again keep commanding us, grow in grace, be strong in the grace? 16 times to the Christians, grace to you, grace to you, grace to you. And yet somehow it slips our mind because no one here is strong in the grace by mere accident. This church has got such grace that the Bible says great grace was upon them all. But to get great grace, it records that they did three things. And I want you to go through with me tonight the three things that they did that brought this power, this favor of God. You know the story. Peter and John have gone into the temple to pray. And when they went into the temple, they encountered a lame man who was lame from birth, and he was there begging alms. The temple was the perfect place to go to beg alms because in the Jewish faith, you were commanded to give alms. So all of those begging alms would congregate by the temple. And as they walked in, this man, lame from birth, turned to Peter and John and asked for alms money. And you know the statement, Peter looked at him and he said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I unto thee. He didn't have any money, but he had something. He had the power of God. I look across this room. A lot of phenomenal education here. Phenomenal careers. But have you got the grace of God? Oh, you were saved by grace. But now are you strong in the grace? He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Rise up and walk. And he had the power of God. If we had to have somebody here tonight that knew how to get a hold of God, would you be the man, would you be the woman who could say, I'm that person? Well, the man stood up and, boy, it caused a commotion. And immediately the authorities came in. The authorities asked this question. They said, in whose name did you do this? Where did you get this power? And Peter said, well, I'm glad you asked. We did it in the name of Jesus, the one you crucified. Now he's talking to the authorities who have crucified Jesus. And he said, it's in his name that we did this. And immediately the authorities got agitated and mad and they said, we command you to stop speaking in his name. And he said, we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. And they put him in jail overnight. When they let him out of jail in the morning, they threatened them again. And Peter and John immediately went back to the church and told the church what had happened. 
The church immediately did three things. And these three things unleashed the grace of God. How many of you want God's power on your life? You want that power. How many of you want God's favor? Oh, my. Well, write these three things down. We're going to read them in this passage, Acts chapter 4. The first thing that they did, Peter and John came back, and the first thing the church did was thank God and praise God for the problem. That's the first thing they did. People call me all the time in the middle of lawsuits and great legal difficulties. We get over 100,000 calls a year asking for help. And they say, Brother Gibbs, what's the first thing I should do? I've got a problem. I say, okay, write this down. Thank God for it. And they say, no, no, what, what? I'm calling you to get rid of it. I'm not calling you to thank God for it. You want God's power. You want God's favor. You got to praise him. Look at what they did, verse 23, chapter 4. And being let go, that's Peter and John, they went to their own company, that's the church. And they reported all that the chief priests and elders said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, boy, now please underscore the word Lord there. Uh, the word Lord here is the word for the all-powerful God. Amen. If you're only going to hear one thing tonight, I hear people say, well, we serve a powerful God. No, you don't. You serve an all-powerful God. There is nothing, nothing impossible for your God to do. Nothing. Wow. Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. But look at verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. They said, God, these people can't do one thing to us that you're not 100% in control of. And we praise you. The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. How many of you sitting here want your next breath? Hold your hand up, would you? And how many of you want one after that? And how many of you want a whole bunch after that one? Now, some of you aren't raising your hands, so I think it's going to be a busy funeral service here. <laughs> Once again, how many of you want your next breath? Hold your hand up. There you go. Wow. You know what God says? The reason I give you breath as my child is so that you can praise me. How good are you at praising God? Now, the Bible says you're to do it with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. I wonder if tonight when we sang, if you sang with all your heart, It's a sin to sing half-hearted to God. It's a wicked sin. Well, yeah, but I, I'm just, 
not that dynamic of a singer. I'm just not good at it. God didn't command you to be good at it. He commands you to do it with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Would anybody around you say, boy, did you hear that? How that man, how that woman praises God. Whoa. Or would we have to tell them, well, that's just not my real big deal. I promise you, praising God is a big deal. The Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. If you want to get God in something, praise him. Praise him. I was invited to preach at an all-black church, a wonderful church, a great church. Uh, I enjoy this church. And I went there, and it's a large church. They 2,500, maybe 3,000 people. And I have the privilege on occasion to go to all black churches. And, but when I got there on this Sunday morning, I'm looking around in this congregation and I've noticed that I'm the only person there not of color. I'm the only one. And the people are friendly and they're nice and they're kind and they're shaking my hand. But I'm right over here on the front row and a lady came in and sat down next to me and I nodded her, she nods at me. And then she says something to me that startled me. This lady turns to me and she says, what are you doing here, white boy? <laughs> now in my whole life, nobody has ever called me white boy. <laughs> and it was friendly, it wasn't unkind. But she said, what are you doing here, white boy? And I said, well, white boy's going to preach this morning. And I thought, my goodness, I just called myself white boy. She said, you're going to preach, white boy. I said, yeah, ma'am. She said, well, isn't that a hoot? I said, I agree, that's a hoot. She said, you got the stuff, white boy? I said, I beg your pardon. She said, don't play stupid, white boy. She said, you've either got the stuff as a man of God or you don't. And she said, if you don't have the stuff, don't you get up there and act like you got the stuff? She said, because if the preacher don't have the stuff, we can't have church. She said, now you either got it or you don't have it. Which is it? Have you got the stuff or don't you, white boy? I said, white boy's got the stuff. I didn't know what to say. I mean, I just mystified. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to talk myself out of preaching and I've not gotten off the front row. Oh, she said, well, good. And she said, just remember this. When you get up there, we didn't come to get out. We come to get God. So she said, you be sure and give us the stuff. I said, okay. She said, now they tell you how we do church here, white boy? And I said, no, no. Oh, she said, you're going to love it. She said, first thing we do is we sing for about two hours. I said, for two hours? Oh, she said, it's wonderful. She said, it drives the devil crazy. She said, when God's people really praise God with all their heart, when they do it, the Bible commands us to do it heartily as unto the Lord. Do you understand? 
When you're singing, we're not singing for each other. You're singing to God. And you're not singing here. You're standing in front of God and you're singing to him. How dare we praise him half-hearted? Oh, she said it drives the devil crazy. She said, you know who else it drives crazy, white boy? I said, no, who? She said, carnal Christians. She said, they can't stand it because it's not in them. You know what? The way you sing, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know why you're having trouble praising him? Because it's not in here. Whoa. My law partner, Charlie Craze, we were together for 25 years. When we'd go to church, Charlie would sing so loud and he sang horrible. <laughs> he was, he was horrible. But, but he would sing a perfect half note off. <laughs> Miss Grace, it was awful. But he'd sing so loud, he'd get a whole part of the church singing in the key he was in. <laughs> and two dozen times I saw the song leader, Justin, say, well, let's go to the key he's in. And that didn't fix anything. Because when they did that, he went another half note off. <laughs> and I said, Charlie, you're, you're, you're messing it all up. He said, I know, but I, I love to praise him. Amen. Yes. Can I ask you this question? Do you love to praise him? Amen. Or does the song leader have to pull it out of you? Wow. Have you ever seen a couple whose marriage is in trouble? And the wife, and it doesn't matter which way, would say to the husband, tell me you love me. Yeah, I, I, I love you. Save your breath, there was no heart in it. Now we come to him. Yeah, I love you. Oh, man, you're going to do two more verses? What are you doing? It is a sin to sing half-hearted. Now, Pastor pointed this out. We're going to do this, and I believe it was Justin. We're going to do this for all eternity. She said, we sing for two hours. She said, white boy, you, you, you like to sing, don't you? I said, I'm loving it more by the minute. Yeah, I'm telling you, wow. She said, after we sing, we have testimonies. And she said, it's wonderful. People who got saved come give their, and people who committed crimes and got saved, they come up and confess their crimes. And if they've committed a crime, we take them right down to the chief of police and turn them in. I said, you do what now? Oh, she said, yeah, two weeks ago, a guy tried to blow the chief of police's car up. 
He'd come forward and got saved and confessed. The whole church took him down. We all turned him in together. She said, you haven't done any crimes, have you, white boy? And I said, ma'am, none that I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> I'll be down at the Hooskow here. She said, then after that comes the preaching, and she said, don't you forget, there's nothing more important than hearing the word of God. Do you understand there are lands where they hazard their lives just to come and hear someone preach from this book? Now, the reason I told you this story is what happened next. She said, white boy, I need to ask you a favor. I said, sure, what? She said, would, would you just kindly move over a little bit? Now, we're already that far apart. I said, sure, is somebody else coming? She said, no. But she said, when I get singing with all my heart, sometimes I need a little room. Good thing I moved over. That lady got singing, and her praise pulled me in. We weren't 10 minutes into it, and I said, God, I want what she's got. I want that. She's singing like she's standing in front of you, which is where you are when you're singing. Wow. She started crying, I started crying, and I don't know why we're crying. <laughs> Do you have any idea how powerful your praise is? The first thing this church did, here they are threatened by the very people who have crucified Jesus, and they came back and they said, we praise you. How strong is your praise? How strong? You want God's power, you want God's favor. It starts with God's praise. The preacher at that black church summoned me up to the platform and I went up and I'm sitting next to the preacher. And he said, I see you talking to Sister Abby down there. I said, is that her name? He said, yeah. I said, preacher, can I tell you something? I want what she's got. That lady changed my life this morning. The way she praises God touched me. Would anybody be touched by how you praise God? He said, did she tell you her testimony? I said, no. He said, Brother Gibbs, a year ago, her two junior high boys and her husband went down to the bus stop at 5.30 in the morning. Her husband takes a bus to work. Her two junior high boys take a bus to school and they think it was a gang thing. Two cars pulled up and shotguns came out. And they killed her family. Then unspeakably they got out of those cars and they went over and they cut the heads off her two boys just to be savage. 
for the gift when we buried them, we had no heads, we still don't. I wish you could have been at the funeral. She said, Preacher, the command is in everything, give thanks. Help me to praise him, Preacher, help me. What does it take to make you not praise him? What squelches your praise? She didn't share that with you? I said, no. Did she tell you she has stage four cancer? And virtually no money for medicine? I said, no. She didn't tell me that. All I know is I want what she's got. I want that heart. That praise. You are 100% in control of how you praise. Now God has the power to make you do it. He could robotically make you do it. But he gives you complete freedom so that you can do it because you love him. You want great grace? It starts with great praise. Don't ever, ever, ever sing half-hearted again. Put your whole heart into it. That's the first key to getting great grace. Write the second thing down. Number one was great praise. Number two, they got bold, great boldness. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. That's my life verse. My mother, when I graduated from law school, had that engraved on a plaque. And she said, doesn't matter where I've recited that verse in courtrooms in all 50 states, in legislatures in every state. Give me boldness. How bold are you with your witness? I can't explain what I've witnessed in my lifetime. It used to be in America, the Christians were bold and all these wicked groups were timid. Now all of a sudden, all these wicked groups have come out of the closet and are bold, and God's people have gone into the closet. And we've lost our boldness. How bold are you for the faith? Now, we've never had nicer looking tracks. We've never had better soul winning things. We've never had better training and we've never done it less. How is that happening? We're commanded to go and tell. The verse, go ye into all the world, that wasn't just to preachers and missionaries, that's to every child of God. Who last week did you go to? Wow. Who last week did you hand a tract to? Now, I hope this isn't true here. I pray it's not. 
But boy, in our lawsuits, we find these numbers are fairly accurate. In the average fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church, only 6% of the people ever witness. 94% are sitting on the sidelines. How can that be? When we're commanded to do it. Commanded. And of that 6%, only 4% do it faithfully. What would it take for you to get bold? You say, well, I, I'm just not a real obstreperous, strong kind of person. You have to remember, whatever God commands you to do, he'll enable you to do. My wife is as meek and mild as a lady as you'd ever meet, but she has a track to everybody. And she says, this changed my life. What kind of person would I be, she says, if I didn't give you one? What kind of person are you to not hand somebody something that makes the difference between heaven and hell for them? Every person you meet, I don't care where, has an appointment with God. And we have the privilege of giving them the gospel. I was with my son Jonathan, he's a lawyer in our ministry. We're in Washington, D.C., and we're in the basement of the Cannon Building. We're going to meet with some senators and representatives on a matter. And if you've ever been in Washington in the Cannon Building, the basement is a massive, massive cafeteria. I want to say of this room probably ten times. It's huge. Well, we're sitting down there, and my son turned to me, and he said, Dad, we got an hour to kill. I said, I know. He said, well, I brought a bunch of gospel tracts with me. He said, how about you and I hand out these tracts down here in the basement of the building? I said, okay. He said, Dad, I'll take the left side. You take the right side. I said, all right. I said, now, Jonathan, don't you get arrested. I said, your mother will not be happy if I don't bring you home tonight, okay? He said, Dad, come on. I'm a lawyer. Let's go. Well, he hands, I mean, he's got a briefcase full of them. And the first thing was I thought, hmm, I came with a couple. My briefcase, I probably had 10 tracks. He's brought a briefcase full. You know what? If I offered you $1,000 for every track you handed out tonight, you'd be amazed at how many tracks you'd want to get a hold of. because you want the money. He took off that way, I took off this way. Not one person we handed a track to refused to take it. Virtually everybody thanked us. Now I'm way over here in a corner handing them out and a Capitol policeman came up to me. And he said, what's that you're doing? I said, I'm, I'm handing out gospel tracks. He said, can I see one? I said, you bet, I want you to have it anyway here. And he looked at me and he said, you got more of these? I said, I do. He said, if you'll get me a big handful of them, I'll take them back to the barracks and I'll make sure every Capitol policeman gets one today. But then he said this to me. He said, everybody's up here handing out their stuff, but the Christians are nowhere to be found. Wow. 
He said, where are your people? That's a good question. Where am I? Where are you? These people were bold, bold at witnessing for Jesus Christ. A dear pastor friend of mine, we're taking a trip together. And he said, I'll get our seats on the airplane. I said, okay. Well, when we get to the airport, he said, Brother Gibbs, he said, I, I have us in the last row of this airplane on purpose. I want us to sit in the very last row. And I said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I said, on this airplane, the engines are in the very back. We'll be sitting between the engines. I said, our molars will be vibrating for a month. We do not want to sit in the very back. He said, no, for Jesus, you're going to sit in the back. And I thought, oh, sweet Alabama. What is this for Jesus we're sitting? How do you respond to that? And he said, we're getting on last. I said, no, 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 all the bin space will be gone. He said, no, for Jesus, you're sitting in the last row and you're getting on last. And I had no idea what was up. But I thought, I, I just know if I say no, I won't do it. He'll tell everybody he wouldn't do it for Jesus. And I couldn't have that. Finally, everybody's on board but him and me. And the gate agent standing there said, come on, you're the last. Come on, hurry up. What he did next floored me. He hands me his Bible. And he unbuttons his shirt, pulls his shirt back like this, and on his T-shirt, his undershirt he has printed, I can tell you how to go to heaven. You don't have to go to hell. It's on his T-shirt. And I thought, oh, boy. Now, we walked up by the gate agent. He's there like this. And she said, can I take a picture of that? He said, you bet. He said, hand her a track, Brother Gibbs, hand her a track. And she looked at me and she said, you with him? And I said, well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> now, don't you laugh. When someone gets bold and you're timid, it can embarrass you. And you understand, you're saying Jesus isn't worth being bold over. Now we walk down and there's the two flight attendants and he comes up like this and I said, man, we want pictures of that. Now he's walking down the aisle and he's going like this and people are standing up, everyone taking pictures. A couple of people said, back up, back up, we want to take another picture. He's doing this and I'm watching him. He's just a little thin guy, just a little thin guy. And I'm thinking, man, if I did it, I could put the whole Romans road on here <laughs> and the Bible verses. Finally, we get to the last row. I mean, I'm dumbfounded at the people taking his picture. And we get to the last row and a flight attendant comes up and says, do not get off this plane without talking to me. Amen. She said, God sent you for me. She said, promise me you'll not get off until you talk to me, promise me. He said, I promise. I thought, wow. You say, well, nothing like that's ever happened to me. 
me neither. Because we've lost our boldness. We so want to fit with the world and the culture that they can't tell who we are. We buckled up. Plane took off. When that plane took off like that, when they let the seatbelts off, 11 people got up and came back and said, can I talk to you? Before we left there, he prayed with seven. What's it going to take for you to get bold? I'm for sending missionaries around the world. Oh, my word, what are we if we don't? But what's the world if you won't go to your neighbor next door? If you won't go to the people you work with? If you won't tell your family members? What's it going to take for you to, number one, praise them with all your heart? And number two, to say, by the grace of God, I'm going to get bold. Write the third and final thing down. You got to praise him greatly. You got to get bold. And then you got to pray. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now remember, Pentecost has already come. They already have the Holy Spirit. This word here, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The word filled there is the word like filled with joy, filled with fear, filled with anticipation. They had the Holy Spirit, but now he filled them. He filled them. How's your prayer life? Nothing more powerful in the universe than prayer. Nothing. The God you serve says, ask and you shall receive. What are you asking for? He says, you have not because you ask not. If I were to ask you to show me your prayer life, if I said, show me your prayer list, what's on it? Or is it just anemic and you really don't have a list? And you're praying these sweeping general prayers. You know, Lord, be with my family and watch over my kids. God bless our church and our missionaries. The word asking you shall receive was the word for asking with specificity. God said, I want you to get specific with me. What are you asking for? He said, ask in faith, believing, and you shall receive. What are you asking for? I have a list of 62 things I pray for my wife every day. Every day. Now, there's nothing on that list peculiar to us, Brother Fong, nothing. I've shared that list hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And if you read down my prayer list for my wife, you'd say, I want that, I want that, I want that. You'd say, I want that 62 times. There's only one problem, you're not asking. Why wouldn't you ask when your God has promised 
you'll receive if you ask. What's on your prayer list for each of the kids? My granddaughter came to me and she said, I know you have a prayer list just for me. I said, I do. She said, well, would you put this on it? Do your kids, do your grandkids know that you so believe in the power of prayer that you got a specific list for them? Once you put a list together, you'll never stop adding to it. Remember, with your God, nothing is impossible. It's only impossible with man. And I close by asking, what are you asking God to do that's impossible? You should have a list of impossible things because he says, it's only impossible with man. It's never impossible with God. Ask. Wow. My dad was in the cattle slaughtering business with my grandfather as I grew up. And they had a lot of heavy-duty trucks and semis and things. And one day, uh, an evangelist came to town and called my dad and said, I understand you're a Christian. My dad said, I am. And he said, I understand you have semis and trucks. My dad said, I do. He said, well, my trucks are so shot, they don't have the power to pull my tent up. And I want to pull a tent up here and hold evangelistic meetings. Would you come and help me get my tent up? My dad said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. And I was only about seven or eight at the time. And I just, any time I could get in those trucks and just ride along, I loved to do it. Well, we went out to where they were going to put this tent up, and we got there. And I think my dad had probably eight or nine semis there. And my dad got out, and he's looking at the guy's tent, just a young man, just a young man, in his early 20s, maybe earlier. And my dad said, I don't know how to tell you this, your tent is shot. He said, do you realize how many holes are in this tent? He said, you, you, you got probably as much patch as you do tent. And he said, oh, no, he said, I'm telling you right now, it's two-thirds patch. One-third tent. It's shot. My dad said, well, there's no way in the world this is going up. He said, we hooked these trucks up. We'll just pull this thing to smithereens. And he looked at my dad and he said, you're dead right without God. But he said, with God, I'm asking God to do the impossible and put this tent up. He said, now here's what I'm going to do, Mr. Gibbs. You hook all your trucks up, but don't pull. He said, I'm going to go over here and get on my face in the grass and I'm going to ask God to do a miracle and get that tent up. So don't pull it up until I tell you. My dad said, okay, but he said, now you're not going to be upset if you're tense in shreds, will you? He said, mister, I'm going to ask. Well, he went over and laid down in the grass and he started crying out to God. And my dad's drivers came over by us and said, what in the world is he doing? My dad said, he's praying. He's asking God for something impossible. By the way, has your family heard you ask God for anything impossible? Yeah. 
or do you just play it safe? We probably prayed for 20 minutes. Finally, he gets up on his knees and he turns to my dad and he said, okay, pull it up. And boy, they fired up those trucks and that tent went up. It creaked and it groaned, but it went all the way up. Finally, the tent is up and they've got it all tied off. And my dad said, boy, that's a miracle. And this young evangelist said, that was. My dad said, I'm telling you, God did that. He said, that's amazing. He said, I just want to encourage you. We need to raise the money for you to get a new tent. And this young evangelist said, no, 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 I don't need a new tent. He said, this is the last time I'm using it. He said, I'm going to start a church here in this town. And then he said these words. He said, I'm asking God to let me put the gospel on television. Now, this is the early 1950s. Television is in its infancy. How many of you remember the early TVs with all the white snow? How many of you all remember that? They were, and when you'd walk by them, your, the girl's hair would go to it. There was so much static. And then they'd want the kids to hold the rabbit ears and your teeth would vibrate from it. TV was just in its infancy. It was only on from mid-afternoon to mid-early evening. And most communities didn't have a station yet. But he said, I'm telling you, I want to put the gospel on that TV box. And my dad said, wow. He said, you got any training for that? He said, no. He said, have you got any educational expertise? He said, no, I never got to graduate from high school. He said, my senior year, my dad died, and I had to go to work so that my mom and my brothers and sisters could eat. My dad said, what makes you think you then can do this? He said, I've asked. Ask, and ye shall receive. On the way home in the truck, I remember talking to my dad. I said, you think he's going to put the gospel on television? My dad says, I want to tell you something, son. That that tent went up was a miracle. You know what you saw on these screens? One miracle after another. He said, I don't know if he's going to get it on TV, but... I'm telling you, he's got a powerful prayer life. Well, he founded a little church there. A little church with 50, 60 people in it. And he went to the one TV station in Cleveland, Ohio, and he went up there and he said, I want you to put me on television for free. I have no money, but I want you to put me on TV. And the guy there said, why would I do that? He said, number one, I don't like church on TV. Number two, I don't know you, but I don't like you. And he said, number three, why would I let you have anything for free when I have people standing in line to pay? Now get out of here. But he went back every Saturday. Faithful, he'd show up and sit there and say, I've been praying 
and I want for you to put this gospel on TV. Well, after he'd done that for almost six months, one day the guy, and now the guy was rude. He kept cussing him out and treating him terrible. This young evangelist came out, and there was a lady sitting there at a desk, and she said, you've been coming back here for six months asking. He said, yeah, ma'am. She said, you really believe God's going to put you on TV? He said, ma'am, it's got to be me or somebody I'm asking. She said, well, I want to ask you a favor. My sister's dying. Would you come? And would you please try to lead her to Christ? He said, oh, I'd be honored to. She said, well, get in your car and follow me. And so he started following the lady. And he thought your sister probably lived in the community there of Cleveland. Turned out she'd lived almost 200 miles away. So he's following her. Now he's running out of fuel. And finally he blinks his lights and says, listen, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm running out of fuel and I don't have any money for more gas. I'm so sorry. She said, that's okay. I'll fill you up. You keep coming. Well, they went to the sister and he led that lady's sister to Christ. After he led the lady's sister to Christ, they came out and he said, thank you, thank you for letting me do that for that precious lady. She said, listen, to next Saturday I want you to show up and you're going to be on TV. He said, ma'am, I don't know, that, that fellow, he, he really dislikes me. She said, well, let me tell you why you're going to be on TV. That fellow is my husband. And he doesn't own the station, I do. She said, now here's some money. I want you to get a new suit. Your suit is shot. And I want you to get some new shoes that aren't full of holes. And you be there and you give the gospel. How'd that happen? He asked. He asked. The next Saturday, he was there. And for 30 minutes, he did nothing but give the gospel. And then he said, if you've asked Jesus to save you, I want you to write me. And if I remember right, 20-some people wrote him and said, I prayed that sinner's prayer with you. Now, this lady that owned the station, she knew others that owned stations. So she called them and said, you want the gospel on your station. Within just a couple of years' time, he was on 1,600 stations. And in excess of 20,000 people a week were writing saying, I prayed that sinner's prayer with you. Amen. What makes you think you can do it? You got special qualities or qualifications? No. But I asked. Ask and ye shall receive. What is it you want to see God do in your life? In your family? You have not because you ask not. You want great grace, the power and the favor of God? It starts with great praise. 
and then great boldness, and then great prayer. I don't know what's in your life, and you don't know what's in mine. Here's what I do know. The power of God is the answer to everything. And you can leave here with great grace. Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. I beg you, don't leave here without the favor and the power of God. Great praise, great boldness, and great prayer. Ask, and ye shall receive. Father, thank you. Oh, your word. Oh, my. Heads are bowed. How many of you say, David, I want God's power. I want God's favor. My heart's been touched tonight. I want the favor and power of God in my life. Hold your hand up right now, right where you are. Hold them up high. If you have your hand up, I want you to get up out of your seat and make your way to this altar. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. You come right now. Nothing. Nothing can take the place for the grace of God. Nothing. Doesn't matter what your educational credentials are or are not. Doesn't matter what your talent equipment is or is not. Your God wants to have great grace through you. Through you. Father, I bow with these hearts. Forgive us where we've labored without great grace. Forgive us where we praised you half-hearted. May we never sing half-hearted again. And God, forgive us where we lost our boldness. There's a whole world out here that needs Christ. And Father, forgive us for not asking. I still remember that evangelist asking. What makes you think you can do it? I asked. God, hear the cry of our heart. Hear the cry of these precious hearts bowed before you. We want great grace. Hear us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. dad was celebrating his 80th birthday pastor and I said dad what would you like for your 80th birthday and he said could you find that evangelist <laughs>
and see if he could come celebrate it with me. He so touched my heart, David. I found him. Here we are in Florida, and he's in California now. And I got him, and I said, my dad's celebrating his 80th birthday. We'd love to have you come. He said, I'm in very bad health now, but he said, I wouldn't miss it. I'll be there. Boy, he showed up, and he and my dad, for four hours, just sang songs, read the Bible, and talked about all that they watch God do that was impossible. The next morning, I was to pick him up and take him to the airport. And I said, now, don't be late. He said, I won't. Well, I showed up at this hotel. I couldn't find him anywhere. I went up to his room. He's not there. I went through all the restaurants. He's not there. I'm asking everybody, have you seen this guy? And finally, one chambermaid said, I, I think, is it a guy that like carries a Bible? I said, that's him. She said, well, go down this hall and down this hall, and there's a room down there. I think he's in there. So I walked down there, and here he is with a group of men, a big group of men. And they're on their knees, and he's leading them to Christ. Amen. When he left California, he asked God to give him a harvest of souls. He said, I asked God, don't let me just do a birthday. Give me a harvest of souls, please, God. And he said, Dave, I was standing out front waiting for you to show up, and a bus pulled up. A Fortune 100 company was having a big meeting, and a bus pulls up, and all these businessmen, these executives get off, and he's standing there looking at them, and he said to these men, are you here for a meeting? They said, yeah, we are. He said, well, I got a meeting with you just ahead of that. Come with me. And like little ducks, they followed him. And he goes down two halls. And he gives them the gospel for 30 minutes. And when he's done, he's led 14 of them to Christ. I walked in. Two of those senior vice presidents were sobbing. I said, how'd this happen? I asked. What's it going to take for you to ask? This ministry of God tarries is just in its infancy. It's time to ask. God bless you, church. How many of you want God to use you? Yeah, praise the Lord, me too. Our ministry every month sends out this newsletter, the alert. Now please, it's free. There is no charge for it. But we ask for this commitment that you give me one minute of prayer a month. Not a day, not a week, but a month. And pray for the lawsuits. Please, nothing but nothing can take the place of prayer. This is our 50th year of doing this. Just can't imagine that 50 years has gone by. But America is now really off in a strange direction. And we're litigating things that I didn't think were happen in America. I desperately need for you, desperately need for you to pray.
Now, if you already get our newsletter, please give us that one minute a month. Hope you read the whole newsletter, but we give you a prayer checklist right there, right away, so you can pray. And if you signed up this morning, you don't need to sign up again. But how many of you will say, Brother Gibbs, I'll give you one minute a month. I'll pray for these lawsuits. Hold your hand up, would you? Now, ushers, come on. If you've already signed up, don't need to do it again. But if you haven't signed up, hold your hand up. I just, I am so thankful. Some of you are so encouraging to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We want to get an envelope in your hands. And when you get that envelope, please fill it out, please. Uh, don't, again, put it in your purse. Uh, you can't mail it to us. The post office won't take it. We need for you to fill it out and hand to the ushers on the way out the door. And again, if you didn't get our Bible bookmark, please get one as you leave. Or if you would like another one, if you have two Bibles, please put this in your Bible. Uh, I'm more excited about what I'm seeing God do in America. I tell everybody the only hope America has is the local church and the gospel. And I hope you understand, you want to do something for America, get super active in this church. Come to your pastor and say, Pastor, give me something to do. You say, yeah, but if I go say that to him, he'll give me something to do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Don't you be a bench sitter. Come on. Get in and serve. Get in and serve. And remember, great praise. I pray the next time they sing here, you do it with all your heart. Uh, nothing can take the place of praise. It's commanded by God. And then make sure you get bold. Grab those tracks. Hand them out this week. Uh, don't ever, ever be where you can't give somebody the gospel with a tract. And then by the grace of God, start praying and asking. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor, I'm going to start asking. I'm going to start asking for God to do the impossible. Praise the Lord. Thank you again for letting us be a small part of this. We've loved your 20th anniversary. And my dear friend, Brother R.B. Willett is going to be here tomorrow. What a great preacher. And, and thank you, Justin. Um, I loved watching him lead singing tonight. He was like Superman on steroids. I mean, he was there. And I loved every bit of it, every bit of it. From the depths of our heart, church, thank you. If I don't ever see you again here, I'll see you up there. But Lord willing, I'll see you here. God bless you.